Well, good morning, and uh, it's it's good to be with you here again, and uh, just to be in the house of the Lord. Do you consider this a house of the Lord? Um, I do, and it's it's just good to have the opportunity, take the opportunity to to be together again. yeah, it feels like I almost need to bring greetings from Melmont, but it's kind of the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> you are part of us. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's just a blessing to to be together. I will say, uh, as we were going down through the schedule for preaching um, in October, I, we have a little slot in the ministry that says New Deacon. And um, so there will be probably, Lord willing, some changes coming ahead, uh, unless the Lord has something else uh, in mind for you. But just looking forward to that as well, working through that uh, with you. So um, I appreciate how the I feel the Holy Spirit is leading us through the Sunday school lesson and your your memory selection there but now he also put off all these and the first one was anger this morning i'm going to talk a little bit about anger and uh, what the scripture says about anger uh, just some different things that we can learn from that an illustration from cain and abel and uh, just yeah some practical things that we can glean, and maybe from my experiences as well. <clears throat> Excuse me. So we think of we think of anger, and um, this was kind of mentioned this morning. I know in the men's Sunday school class, it's when when people rub you the wrong way, it just arouses something within you. It, sometimes you you hear they they know how to push your buttons, and um, that's just kind of the arousal of, of an emotion that comes up and usually we, we call that anger um, and that anger it's a, an emotion that requires a response or an action to, to seek how to to resolve that and seek relief from that and then I had to think uh, just as a illustration I brought something with me and I know some of you have seen it sitting up here. Um, this is a, a sprayer for those that might be listening in. And uh, it's filled with, with water. <laughs> and I got quite a reaction out of Milmont when I brought water up to the pulpit because uh, sometimes I do have a reputation of uh, spraying the congregation with water. But this, if we think of, of the pressure that's in here and possibly as, as life, you know, we go through life's experiences, and we can we can feel that that pressure. Someone rubs us the wrong way, and um, this one here has has a little valve. <laughs> anyway, as I was traveling here this morning, my wife and I heard a a little bit of a hiss in the back. There you go. And that pressure that's in there, you can pump it and pump it and pump it, and it'll release that on its own, and I can't really tell you when it's going to release, or you could physically 
take this and, and release the valve. So as we think of anger, as we think of the pressure that's with that anger, and I'll leave that down there. Um, just anyway, just that illustration came to to my mind. There's just the unrest of feelings, maybe of, of resentment, of jealousy um, towards someone else. And if we, if we feed on that and let that grow and keep pumping and priming that pump, um, it just forces us to, to face that reality. And sometimes the release of that is not godly. And it just feels like you need to, to do something to release it. If you turn with me to, to Genesis chapter 2, it says it's a familiar uh, scripture. I just want to focus on some points here and then bring out some practical illustrations from it. Genesis chapter 2, as we know, this is the creation. And um, I had to think of, of Adam. And Eve, I'm going to just read verses 4 through 8. So Genesis 2, starting to read at verse 4. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens and every plant of the field before it was in the earth and every herb of the field before it grew. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was not a man to till the ground. But there went up from a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden and there he put the man whom he had formed. I'm just going to jump down to verse 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. So here we have Adam. And Adam was formed out of the dust. And God put him into the garden. And we notice in the garden... Um, the earth was created in a, in a state of maturity. Like Adam, when he was created, he was a man. And it, the, or the, the verse in there, uh, basically no plant of the field, no herb of the field. So there was, there was no seeds. There was no harvesting at that time. Uh, there, was not enough of, there was enough of food for the animals without needing a farmer to harvest a crop without needing a shepherd uh, to lead all those um, animals to other pasture land. As I said, man's mature physical body was created by God out of the dust and he breathed in him life. And with that life, he became a living soul. You think about that. Soul is present with the body when there's life. The soul leaves the body, there's death, physical death with that. The soul's destiny is determined by the choices made while there's life, except for those 
that can't comprehend, maybe mentally can develop that. And we say those um, that are not able to, to fully understand those under the age of accountability. So we have an obligation there uh, with life as a living soul. And um, with that, note that God planted the garden and put Adam in it to maintain it. So Adam was there. I feel he had a lot of things to do. If we think about uh, then Genesis chapter 3, if you turn there, just going to read a few verses there. Genesis 3, 6 through 11. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her. And he did eat. And the eyes of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord and the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree, whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman which thou gavest to me, to be with me, she gave me of the tree. And then the blame game started down through there. just read verses 17 through 21 while we're there. Um, and unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it was thou taken, for death, for dust art thou, and unto dust shalt thou return. Um, so here again we see Adam uh, had, a, had another task ahead of him. Before we talked about you know, his, his gardening, everything was perfect. After the fall of man, you get the thorns, you get the thistles, and the work uh, that went with it. Let's turn over to Genesis chapter 4. Just going to read 1 through 7 down through here. And Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived. And bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of the sheep. But Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock, and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. 
But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why aren't thou wroth? And why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, should thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain, well, tell you what, I'm going to stop right there. Um, so Adam and Eve had relations together, brought forth Cain, and I think this was a very joyous occasion to them. Actually, Eve said, I brought a man forth from the Lord. She recognized this life was from the Lord. Um, was this the promised seed that was proclaimed to her that shall bruise Satan's head? But then it, it said again that she, she bear Abel. So was Abel a, a twin? I have to repeat everything I just said. <laughs> I think I'll keep going for the sake of time. Yeah, we just switched out microphones here. So sorry if you couldn't hear me, um, the first part of that. We're going to look at the occupations of Abel. Abel was a keeper of the sheep, like I said, as, as animals, I think, multiplied and grew. Um, the need was there probably to to lead sheep to lead animals to a different area to find uh, possibly grass so whenever I mentioned that Adam had a lot to do I think Adam was very pleased um, to have two sons to help him with responsibilities there and I, I could I, I kind of envision Adam you know working with his boys and uh, sharing the responsibilities there. So Abel, as he was the keeper of the sheep, um, just basically, I think, had a, a, a fond liking to the animals, to the sheep, um, and the life that was there, how they multiplied, and just marveled in that. Cain, um, Cain was a tiller of the ground as we as we read, you know, the thorns and the thistles came up, and, and I think there was a lot of work to be done there. So he was a hard worker, um, planted, harvested fields uh, to maybe provide produce, to provide herbs, and this is the herbs of the field. So verse 3 there in uh, chapter 4, in the process of time. Now, I... I really don't know what, what this time is, but there was a specific time when they brought offerings. So whether this was a, a customary thing that Adam and Eve would have done, uh, but Cain and Abel 
at this time brought offerings before the Lord. And Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground, which is uh, natural. He was growing things, and so he brought out of a fruit of the ground. And this was a gratitude offering, I believe, for God's blessings, for the faithfulness of, of God in his life, that things were growing. Um, and then we see uh, Abel also brought an offering from the firstlings, and that might be one of our clues. Abel brought an offering from the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof. So the, the Lord was looking on at this, um, and we don't yeah, bring sacrifices like they did in the Old Testament. But the Lord was looking on, and he had respect for Abel. He said that he had respect unto Abel, I think as a person, and his offering, the firstlings of, his, of the flock. But the Lord had no respect unto Cain. This would be Cain as a person. And his offering, the fruit of the ground. What's the difference? What made the difference? As I said, maybe some of the key words there, one would be the firstlings, the first fruits, giving out of his best. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 says, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of the, all thine increase. Then your barns will be filled with plenty, and your presses shall burst out with new wine. I believe the first fruits there was mentioned um, for the reason. What was the attitude <clears throat> with Abel? What was the attitude with Cain? It was also mentioned that Abel brought from the flock. And I believe God recognized the shed blood that was needed for the sacrifice. Oh, I don't know if it was a lamb, but it was from the flock. And I believe Abel recognized um, the death possibly that was needed to cover Adam and Eve. Um, that was clothing, but just to atone for the sins of the people and that blood that was necessary only came from the flock and not from uh, the ground and also the fat uh, we don't consider fat necessarily as a as a good thing always but the fat looking at the old testament is considered the choice parts of the offering there again we see i think he brought his best to God. Another key, uh, if we look at Hebrews 11, verse 4, and I'll just read it to you. Hebrews 11:4 by faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent, excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and that's plural, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he, being dead, yet speaketh. Is there another key there? Um, did Abel possibly bring more gifts, more than what was necessary? 
we really don't don't have a lot in scripture for that but I think we still see uh, Abel's heart in that so Cain's response to that as he as he looked at what was going on and I don't know how he knew that God chose Abel and and Abel's sacrifice over his um, some of the commentators said possibly as in the days of Elijah maybe fire came down and you know uh, basically devoured the the sacrifice that Abel was made. I, I we don't know, but basically we do know that Cain knew and Abel knew um, the difference of why why God chose one and not the other. But this made Cain very angry, very upset, <clears throat> and I think it was out of jealousy. Um, and if we think of Cain bringing his his offering, and then the offering was was good. That was the thing he was supposed to do. Um, do you think Cain could really worship after that? Uh, I think he was bringing a, an offering, a sacrifice to worship God. Abel was bringing his best to worship God, and this kept stirring in uh, in Cain's heart and it I believe it distracted him from from worshiping God he just could not get this out of his mind his countenance fell he became sad his his <laughs> just his his actions showed it that he was he was not happy and God just put a little pause on this and and God cared enough about Cain to ask a question verse 6 and 7 God he asked him to to stop and consider his actions he said I see you're angry I see your countenance fell but why um, stop and think about why you're upset I believe he gave Cain a second chance here. Don't let jealousy or envy get you down, but learn from it. How can you do better in that? Take some constructive criticism. But if you don't change your attitude, the root of bitterness will give sin the opportunity to overtake you. But don't let it master you. So Cain had a choice. Cain had a choice to make. Let's read um, Genesis 4, verses 8 through 16 to see what happened. And Cain talked with Abel, his brother. Then it came to pass, when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which has opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. 
a fugitive and vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out of this out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face, face shall I be hid. And I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth, and it shall come to pass that everyone that findeth me shall slay me. And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. I'm going to stop reading there. Wow. I'm just going to read a couple of other verses. Like I said, while we're here, then I'll try to get to the practical points. Verses 25 and 26 there in, in chapter 4. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bare a son and called his name Seth. For God said, she hath appointed me another, yeah, hath appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. And to Seth, to him also there bare a son, and he called his name Enos. They began, then began man to call upon the name of the Lord. So if we just kind of briefly think through that, um, Adam and Eve, did they lose one son? They actually lost both sons um, because of one man's anger. Cain would have killed Abel, but then Cain was sent away. But then the next generation, or at least the next siblings came along, and they did worship the Lord again. It's just a sad, sad story. It didn't have to be that way. Um, but what anger can produce if just left unbridled, if you pump that pump and it just releases um, without the Holy Spirit to know how to help us release that anger. I, I believe everybody faces that anger, face that pressure. God created us with those emotions. We're created in his image. So why did, why did God create anger? Why did he create us that way? Do you ever stop and think about that? Um, look through my notes here oftentimes we get angry because we don't get our own way and oftentimes we can think of a child uh, when, when they don't get their own way we hear this temper tantrum uh, they just throw a fit just because they don't get our own way the, the, the stirring of the emotions there we can get angry sometimes when things seem out of our control. 
King Saul killed a lot of prophets when he was um, chasing after David, and the prophets were innocent. But things seemed to be out of Saul's control. I just tell it on myself. I, whenever I get a call from from uh, just a basically a salesman uh, trying to sell me something that I really don't need and. I don't know, a few years ago there was a salesman came to our door when we were eating a meal and <laughs> I never knew why that really, really irked me. I mean, I'm a salesman and you think I would respect other salesmen. It just, it, it, it drives me crazy. Um, and, and I really didn't know why other than it just was a nuisance. Um, but oftentimes... I've bought some things in the past, and maybe I just have a soft heart and couldn't tell them no. Um, but it seemed like once a salesman got me to a certain point, oftentimes I ended up buying. Um, I could tell you stories, but we don't have <laughs> a lot of time. But it was that, that lack of control. I think that things just felt out of control, and, and the anger just just rose up. <laughs> within me. Um, or we could get angry just by responding to what, if we're hurt, um, if we're mistreated. And, and I believe that's the, the fight and flight mentality that comes up in us naturally. That could, that could uh, bring up anger. What about if, if our pride is wounded? Um, constructive criticism sometimes uh, just at first hits you the wrong way. It, it just causes that anger. I know I would have been uh, the Sunday school superintendent years ago, and um, back then we had it for two weeks, and it was just, it was really taxing. And I found myself, when you get up front, I, I always would have said to the children, did you have fun tonight? That was my first comment, and there was a an older brother from the church came up to me and and he said, "You know what you're saying is that really right? Are the children just coming out to have fun? You know, or are they learning about the Bible? Um, are they interacting with friends? Is it all about fun?" And at first, <laughs> talking about irk you, and even a, coming from a brother, but you know, he was right. <laughs> and I had to admit, uh, my pride was probably wounded here. I thought I was, you know, leading this uh, summer Bible school for two weeks, and it was really taxing. And then to hear someone like that, not necessarily encouraging at first, but the more I thought about it, my pride was just wounded anyway <clears throat> the pattern of dealing with anger if you let it go can be can become a habit and um, creating an identity that may follow us for all our lives if we don't stop recognize that we are angry and um, knowing that God through his Holy Spirit wants to help us to release that.
in a way that is holy. Bitterness, especially towards brothers, towards people, brothers or sisters, it's like drinking poison yourself and waiting for the other person to die. And I don't know if you heard that before or not, but it's like you just, all you can think about is just getting even, just how they hurt us. Um, and the more we think about it, the more it stirs us up. And um, the other person may not even realize what they did. Hebrews 12, 14 to 15, I'll just read it for you. Hebrews 12, 14 to 15, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and therefore many may be defiled. Proverbs 16, 25, there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Anger just seems to naturally want to come out, and if we don't take the time to recognize it and deal with it, it may lead to death. James 4, 1 to 3, again, I'll just read it for you. For whence comes wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of their lusts, that war in your members, the stirring inside of us. Verse 2, you lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight in war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your own lusts. So if anger has the potential to be so destructive and destroy us from the inside out, again, why did God create us that way? I think he just created us peaceable and we just flow through life. Um, I believe our, our testimony as we are born again, we let the Holy Spirit work in us and change us from our old ways to the new ways. As was mentioned this morning, and I know many of you have a testimony of being angry um, before and how you dealt with it before, and now that you have new life within you through the Holy Spirit working within you, it's different now. I believe that's a, a true testimony. So if we can control our anger... I, I believe it's, it's a testimony of God's power working within us. We can't do it on our own. If we can show others forgiveness through that, it's a witness of God's plan of redemption for us. When we face difficult situations, often the effect of the circumstances on us will likely depend more on our attitude toward them than the situations themselves. I've heard it said life is 10% of what happens to us and 90% of our attitude of how we're, yeah. Life is 10% of what happens to us 
90% of our attitude toward what happens to us. And Zig Ziglar um, would call this stinking thinking. Once you get thinking down that road and uh, that's all that consumes your thoughts, your attitude soon uh, just gets consumed with this anger, with this bitterness, with this resentment. So let's stop. Let's realize the anger as a warning sign. Uh, my dad um, years ago had a, had a truck that everything ran fine, but the check engine light just stayed on and just annoyed him. And um, he brought the truck down to our house, and I said, I'll sell it for you. And um, I noticed on the the dashboard there, um, you know, the little piece of plexiglass where you could see through it. He had a, a piece of electric, electrical tape taped on there. And um, I said, what is that? And you look around and you see that yellow check engine light <laughs> was on. So he put a, a piece of black electrical tape on there. So that light just, he just, he knew it was there, but he just didn't like seeing it. He said, there's nothing wrong with the truck. It's just the check engine lights on. Well, if, I, if you put a piece of tape over top of it so you can't see the check engine light, the check engine light is still there. So let's um, realize the anger, realize that check engine light, and look at it. Um, try to identify what is, what is making us angry and how to, how to deal with it. We can view them. The warning signs is what is God trying to teach us? Instead of getting down, getting depressed, getting upset, what is God trying to teach us through the situation? To do this, we need to learn to recognize it, but we also need to realize that we need to release it and release it to God. Um, this doesn't mean forgetting about it. You're not learn, learning from them. We need to release the power of darkness that keeps us in bondage from the root of bitterness that will just grow if we focus only on the offender and how we were wronged and how we can seek justice. What is God trying to teach me through this? How can I model godliness to bring glory to God through this experience. And is there something that I am doing um, that may be causing this anger? Maybe it's not with the other person. Maybe it's just things that I'm working through. Maybe a guilty conscience about something else. Let's just stop and identify it. And what is causing us to be angry? By focusing on Bible-based responses instead of emotional-based responses, changes our perspective as we look at life. We have peace instead of confusion because we gave the situation over to God. We learn from it. The key to overcome bitterness is forgiveness by releasing the offense to God for his judgment and faith. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 5 and some of these verses right before it were read this morning. I just want you to, to look down through this. We have 
I don't think any of us has, has ever murdered our brother or sister. But what happens if we are so angry at them? I want to just read Jesus' words here. Matthew 5, starting to read at verse 21. 21 through 24 is, is what I'm going to read. This is Jesus. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Rekha, shall be in danger of the council. And whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. Just stop reading there. As we think about that, as we come to worship God, as we come in our daily lives, just walking with God daily, and um, we know of something that is causing us an offense against our brother. Scripture tells us to first be reconciled to thy brother. Take the effort and go try to reconcile that. And then come and offer thy gift. In closing, I want you to to repeat with me. I don't know if you don't have it from memory of the Lord's Prayer. It's Matthew chapter 6, if you just want to flip another page over. Matthew 6. And this, just as a powerful prayer as we think about our relationship uh, with our, our brothers, one another, as the people that we relate to, and even our anger and bitterness. Um, just the words that Jesus said, the prayer that he said there. Uh, I'm going to ask you all to stand in uh, the Lord's Prayer, if you have it from memory. We're going we're gonna to say it together, but it starts there, Matthew 6, um, verse 9. And um, let's pray this in sincerity as we do pray it. And after the prayer, I'm just going to read verses 14 and 15, and then I'm going to have a, a closing prayer. And then I'm going to ask for a song after that to so just remain standing. So let's all say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. In verses 14 and 15. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And just a, a powerful uh, section in Scripture for us just to, to consider. Um.